0: Thank you for being here with me on this unremarkable night four days after the winter solstice. A bright star hangs in the east. What's that, Dana? Our in-house astronomer, Dana, says it's Jupiter, not a star. Think of that. Jupiter is my second favorite gas giant of our solar system, which is to say it is my least favorite. Sorry, Jupiter. Turn your angry red eye elsewhere. And now on the line, we have George from Seattle. Thank you for joining us tonight, George.
1: Sure. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me.
0: George, you were saying you've been having some lady troubles.
1: Okay. Um, well, not troubles, per se. Oh? I met this girl a couple weeks ago.
0: Ah, the trappings of young love.
1: Um, I'm 37.
0: The trappings of early middle-aged love, then.
1: Sure. Anyway, I met this girl... I think she's a little too young for me.
0: And how young is that?
1: Well, she won't tell me. But maybe 25, 26.
0: George, my boy. That age difference matters not if you two really care for each other. What's your relationship like so far?
1: Well, that's the real problem. It's just kind of... too good to be true. How so? Here's the thing. I met her just a couple weeks ago. She was sitting at the original Starbucks on Pike's Place. And you can guess how hard it is to get a seat at that joint. And she had this gorgeous long fur coat draped over her seat. I'm talking the most silky brown fur coat you've ever seen. And I'm admiring it as I walk by, right? It's not a coat you see every day. She's reading. Doesn't give me the time of day. She's way out of my league. And as I walk by, I accidentally bump her coat. Well, the thing's so gorgeous, I instinctively go to catch it before it hits the wet cement. Seattle, you know. And then I'm holding it, and she gives me this look like I just saved a baby or something. And we've been attached at the hip ever since. She's... she's crazy about me.
0: She's crazy about you, huh?
1: Seriously! She basically acts like...
0: Like what, George?
1: Like we're married.
0: Hmm. That's gotta be a bit uncomfortable. (laughs) Well,
1: it was at first, but now uh, it's awesome. (laughs) She's frickin' hot and smart and fun and I just, uh, but it just feels wrong. Like, why would a girl like that want to go out with a guy like me?
0: George, I'm sure you have some admirable qualities.
1: (laughs) I'm not hot or smart, and I'm only a little fun.
0: Hmm, that's quite an honest assessment. I don't know.
1: I'm worried I'm missing something. Like, what if she's fooling me or something?
0: Are you a very wealthy man, George?
1: No, ma'am. She's got more money than me. Always paying for stuff. Says she has stock in the fish sellers at the market.
0: I see. Uh, well, do you find yourself caring for this woman?
1: I do, ma'am. That's why I'm feeling so worried. It just feels like a con.
0: Tell me, George, do you find your girlfriend often gazing longingly out into the sea?
1: Well, now that you mention it, yeah. She gets this trance-like stare when we're at the market and she eats raw fish. Like, basically all the time.
0: A sushi fan?
1: No, not sushi. Really raw. She just bites down at the fish market. The fish sellers don't mind, though. Like I said, she's got stock.
0: Uh, so you're saying while you're walking along Pike Place Market, you come to the fish booth, dead fish, piled in ice, she just picks up her favorite halibut and starts eating?
1: Well, no. Not just halibut. Salmon, crab. I mean, that gets a little crunchy, (laughs) you know. She says it's part of her keto diet.
0: George, I hate to break it to you, but that's not a keto diet. It's not? George, are you familiar with the legend of the Selkie? The what now? Selkies. Creatures of Celtic origin who have the ability to turn into a seal. Or, one could say, they're seals who have the ability to turn into humans. The what now? I actually knew a Selkie in college. She was always trying to give me her fur coat, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, I really don't. Right. Uh, yes, well, in Selkie culture, they shed their seal skin to become human. Picking up that seal skin is often akin to what we would consider marriage.
1: Wait. So my girlfriend is half-seal.
0: So it would seem. And when you picked up her fur coat...
1: That's... fantastic.
0: I beg your pardon?
1: Well, that means it's not a con, right? She's actually into me. She's not going to just abandon me when she gets bored.
0: Well, to be clear, I would recommend keeping her away from the shore if you ever notice she's feeling restless. Uh, Selkies are known to be flighty, but it sounds like you do have a woman... uh, half woman who really cares about you. Congratulations, George.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, ma'am. Wow. I'm the luckiest guy in the world.
0: So it would seem, George. So it would seem. Have a wonderful night. If you're just joining us, welcome. Remember, whether you're human, reptoid, banshee, golem, wendigo, or anything in between, as long as I'm here, you've always got someone to listen. All right, caller, you're on the air.
2: I don't know what to do anymore. I, I can't be here anymore. I don't want to be in this body. I'm going nuts.
0: Whoa. Slow down, caller. Just back it up. Tell me a little about yourself.
2: I'm Elaine. Well, uh, I, I guess technically I'm Madison, and I'm 68 years old, but I'm currently trapped in the body of a 19-year-old.
0: So you identify as Elaine? Who is Madison?
2: Madison is my granddaughter. I'm in her body.
0: Let's be clear. Your spirit is in her body, correct? Yes! Uh, Sounds like a case of interfamilial body exchange. IBE is uh, usually the result of a curse. Are you acquainted with the documentary Freaky Friday?
2: Documentary? Like the movie with uh, um, Lindsay Lohan?
0: Caller, most people do not realize the verisimilitude of those films. Each film is based on true events and verifiable texts in regards to IBE.
2: Oh, okay.
0: In my home, they are alphabetically organized in the documentary section. Whoa. Yes, whoa is correct, Caller. Let's get down to it. Have you angered any witches lately?
2: I don't think so.
0: Think really hard.
2: I don't think I know any witches.
0: You'd be surprised.
2: Oh, wait! I beat Carol Antonelli at cribbage and she gave me the evil eye for the rest of the day. Then the next day she brought me vegetables from her garden, which she never does.
0: Ah, and could they have been cursed vegetables? I guess so. Were you anywhere near the vegetables when the body swap occurred?
2: <gasps> oh my gosh! That night I made vegetable lasagna. Bingo. We were eating it when the swap happened.
0: Elaine, now I must say, I'm a little surprised that I'm getting this call from you and not your granddaughter. It's usually the spirit in the more uh, dilapidated body that is looking to reverse the curse.
2: Are you kidding me? There is no way I want to be 19 again. This is terrible. Madison hasn't been able to find a job since she graduated. She spends all of her time on her phone. I am so anxious having to maintain her social media pages. If I don't put hearts on her friends' posts within minutes of them posting it, then they text and yell at me and they shun me for days.
0: The challenges of today's youth are quite different than your own, I assume.
2: Oh yes, my biggest worry growing up was if Bobby Thompson was going to ask me to the dance and if maybe he would kiss me. Now I've received enough genitalia portraits to be considered a smut peddler.
0: People don't realize the true depths of despair this kind of body exchange can generate in real life. The intergenerational changes can be shocking to both parties. Is Madison also in a state of shock? I wish. Really?
2: She's having the time of her life by ruining my reputation. Look, I don't even know how to say this. She's having a field day. Carousing with my neighbors.
0: When you say carousing... Canoodling!
2: You- making whoopee. Doing the wild thing.
0: Yep, please stop. I got it.
2: She says she feels free because she can buy her own wine, make love without fear of getting pregnant, and she's experimenting in ways I don't even want to know about. My body went from being Little Miss Goody Two Shoes to a... Uh, A little hussy! Whoa. Language. I'm sorry, I'm just so riled up.
0: Alright. Relax, Elaine. We can fix this. I'm intuiting this was an act of malice on the part of Carol Antonelli. We have to reverse the curse.
2: Okay. How?
0: We need to get you and Madison in the same room so we can reverse this. Dana? Dana, pull up a Wikipedia entry for a nullifying swap spell. Caller, where is Madison right now?
2: She's at the pool with Herman Katzman. And Carlos Enriquez.
0: Okay, I need you to text her.
2: Can't I just call her?
0: No, you have to send a text.
2: Uh, fine. What do I say?
0: Need to meet FTF ASAP.
2: We need to meet an MTF as soon as possible.
0: Close enough, Elaine. Sent. Dana, did you pull it up? Can you print it for me? It's The printer is still not working. What? Is Mercury in retrograde again? Well, we have two souls on the line here, Dana. Figure it out. I'm going to have
2: a panic attack.
0: Well, my guess is if you look in Madison's purse, you might find a few recreational things to help you with that. What? Never mind, Elaine. We need to gather a few things before she gets back if we are going to reverse
2: Mm. this. She takes it back. It's a picture of fire. Is it an
0: actual photo, a gif, or an emoji?
2: A cartoon?
0: Emoji. Good, she'll be back quick. We've got to hurry. Uh, do you have any of the cursed vegetables left?
2: Well, I think we have a zucchini that's lodged in the back of the fridge. Madison said she was going to zoodle it, whatever the heck that is. Yep. Oh, oh okay, here we go. It is pretty mushy.
0: That's okay. Uh, find a bowl and put it inside. Got it. We're going to need crushed dried uh, flowers, cholula, turmeric...
2: Is cumin okay? Sure.
0: If you have any feathers around, especially birds of prey, throw those in. Now, a cup of tepid tap water, anything sticky in your fridge mayonnaise, syrup, pickle juice. Got it, got it. Now, grab a wooden spoon and stir it counterclockwise. Okay. Seriously, Dana, you scribbled the spell on a post it? It's okay, Dana, I forgive you. The spirit in me slows the spirit in you. Namaste, Dana.
2: Hey, Grandma. She's back.
0: Put me on speakerphone. Repeat after me. Omnia mea mecum porto. Omnia mea mecum porto. Cubrutum fulman. Cubrutum fulman. Now throw the mixture. Throw it at Madison and say reductio. Dan, is that a D or a N? Reductio ad absurdum. Reductio ad absurdum. Elaine? Elaine, is everything okay?
2: Yes. Yes. We, uh, we switched back. Uh, I can't even.
0: Another success, friends. Elaine, Madison, enjoy your lives as they were meant to be lived.
2: Hey, a uh, uh, host? Yes? Were the ingredients in that bowl actually part of the spell?
0: <laughs> no. I just thought it would be an amusing touch to pay Madison back for what she did to your body.
2: Right, but now uh, that I'm back in my own body... Oh. I'm the one dripping with that concoction.
0: Yep, hadn't fully thought that one out. Well, thanks for calling, Elaine.
2: Oh no, I think my body's drunk. Madison!
0: And we'll be right back with our next caller after a brief intermission. (laughs) Alright everyone, it's come to that time in the evening when we take a step back to breathe and clear our palates for the second half of the show. As you know, this is a program that takes its own history somewhat seriously... Therefore, we must properly account for stories from previous episodes. Here now is our latest edition of Corrections and Follow-Ups. To start us off, an omission from last night's profile of actor-slash-occultist Dan Aykroyd. During our discussion of his award-winning Crystal Skull Vodka, we failed to note that A. I had consulted on the design of the actual Crystal Skull bottles. B, Daniel and I enjoyed a brief fling in the 80s, and C, that I somewhat prefer vodka to the other clear spirits. I know our listeners tune in for an earnest and forthright program, and I apologize for the lack of transparency. You should be able to trust that if I have a conflict, such as a taste for Tito's Handmade or Memories of Avocado Pizza at Spago, that I will let any potential bias be known— After sleeping on it this morning, I decided I wanted to disclose all that on the show tonight. Here, now, so disclosed. Thank you for understanding, listeners. Next, at the start of last month, we took an almost hour-long call from a man named Ronald, who needed help dehorning his demon cub. I myself am not much help with babies, demon or otherwise, and unfortunately the little guy ended up molting. An adult demon is nothing to tussle with, and fortunately Ronald made it out with most of his arms and legs. At any rate, I'm sure you remember the call, and we need to issue a correction. Ronald was apparently right, Farm and Fleet does curse your mirrors and crystal items for you at checkout if you ask. Good to know, and sorry for pushing back, Ronald. (laughs) I really push back hard. I wonder if it was because I spend a lot of time at Farm and Fleet, or maybe I was just frustrated because we were clearly losing control of the demon. Dana, I wonder, did you think I was getting overly defensive with Caller Ronald? Oh, Dana, you and your confusing, emphatic hand gestures. Yes, yes, moving on. Finally, long-time listeners may remember years ago, we got several calls from Bertie and Gallup. Like many of us, Bertie was slowly figuring out exactly who she was in the midst of her adulthood. Unlike most of us, Bertie seemed to be discovering that her long-past parents, former NASA scientists, had in fact been aliens, and that she herself was not really human... She had a shimmering metallic luster to her blood, a faint hum the source of which doctors had never been able to quite locate, and joints that seemingly bent in all directions. At any rate, we lost touch with Bertie after she herself went to work for NASA and had to sign a non-disclosure agreement, and I was absolutely tickled when I saw a new message come in from her after so long— She's no longer working for the government, in part because she learned her origin almost immediately upon earning clearance. Her parents weren't aliens, they were robots. Specifically designed android rocket scientists developed by NASA. Ultimately feeling quite human but unable to naturally reproduce, her folks worked for years to design the perfect facsimile of a human baby and eventually produced our birdie in Gallup. Anyway, Bertie says that she's gotten enough answers for now and plans to spend the next year studying how her body responds to beer and barbecue. She'll update us whenever she has anything interesting to share. Lastly, while she doesn't get the chance to listen much anymore, she fondly remembers the show and asks that Dana never stop giving me a hard time. Dana has softened a bit over the years, Bertie. I think you'd be surprised. In fact, just the other day... (laughs) Dana, I think the giving you access to sound effects idea was a bad one. By the power vested in me as the one in charge here, I revoke your sound effect privileges. Okay, moving on. Welcome back, treasured guests. I remain, as always, your host. This next hour is made possible by a contribution from Mark Packer of Belleville. Mark writes, To my lovely partner, organism Bella. After 15 years of dating and another 10 of cranial parasitism, you have made yourself completely indispensable to me in my medulla oblongata. I love you. We go now to Brett in Libertyville. Brett, the universe is listening. Brett, are you there? You're live on the air.
3: Huh? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm exhausted.
0: You do sound fatigued. Out of it, nearly not fit for radio.
3: No, sorry. Please don't dump the call, alright? Like, I'm desperate, and I haven't slept in like three days.
0: Do you have any read on the cause of your insomnia?
3: I'm trying to stay awake because when I sleep, I live with my brother, okay? And three days ago, he woke me up in the middle of the night real worried about what I was saying and doing in my sleep
0: sleepwalking is a thing you may find more use from referral to a sleep specialist than to the celestial consciousness
3: it's not just that I was sleepwalking our sister used to sleepwalk he knows what that's like here he said it was like I was perfectly awake I claimed I was this guy Francis from 1895
0: Hmm. 1895 fascinating must be a prankster, a time traveler, or a lunatic. Uh, and every time you fall asleep, this personality re-inhabits your body.
3: Yes, so far. I've fallen asleep four times since then, and every time, as soon as I drift off, that's when I wake right back up as Francis.
0: This sounds like some variety of astral cohabitation, which can enable walkers to live in other people's persons temporarily. It's supposed to be a shared experience, uh, very unfair to have it happen without your knowledge or consent.
3: Look, I don't give a crap about consent, or whatever PC bullshit. I'm just mad that this is happening without my permission.
0: Huh. Uh, Well, let's see what we can do about it. Um, if you laid down now, how long do you think it would take to fall asleep?
3: At this point, not long. Seconds.
0: Good, because if this is astral cohabitation, it means that there's someone else out there causing it. Maybe if I talk to him, I can convince him to stop.
3: Okay, here I go.
0: Wait, Brett, don't sleep yet. Before you do, set an alarm on your phone for 90 seconds and then switch this call to speaker. We want to talk with whoever's on the other end of your spiritual phone line. Let's see where this goes, listeners. Francis? I'm a friend of Brett's. Just relax and let's chat.
3: It's nice to talk to another woman. So far, it's just been the same dim-witted brother time and time again.
0: Another... Oh, so you're a woman! (laughs) I had been thinking Francis with an I instead of an E. I have to ask Francis, why are you hurting him? The poor man can't sleep.
3: I am not trying to hurt him, ma'am. I just need him to sleep a full night, long enough to complete the astral cohabitation process and reach stasis.
0: I suspected you were practicing A.C. You're clearly not a novice. Did you study the 19th century theosophists?
3: In fact, I am a 19th century theosophist.
0: Don't pull my leg, Francis. Is that true?
3: Well, my work parallels theosophism. I take a scientific approach those magicians don't understand.
0: It's true you're from 1895, like Brett said.
3: It's so true that it's the reason I'm cohabitating with him. Not only am I denied the support and recognition of the scientific and esoteric communities as a woman in a man's world, as an Afro-American in a white man's world, I can't even rent a workshop in the part of town with good electricity.
0: You're trying to escape.
3: Exactly.
0: So when you say stasis...
3: The cohabitation becomes stable enough for the entities to escape, the elastic pull back into the original body, and in this case, time. Time.
0: Oh, no, you, you can't. You can't switch places with him without his consent.
3: If I ask him, he might say no, and I can't risk that. Successfully cohabitating across more than a century and connecting with a white man is a one-in-a-million shot. This wasn't my first try.
0: Well, I have to tell him.
3: <laughs> you can't. I might never get another chance. I want to use the technology of tomorrow as someone with the authority to use it. Believe me, I have earned it. Working in hopeless isolation is the best I can expect in my time.
0: I don't doubt your struggle at all, Francis.
3: Then you'll understand when I say... Brett? What?
0: Brett, it's your host. Are you awake?
3: Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm still tired.
0: Brett, you need to know something. First of all, Francis appears to really be from 1895.
3: Unbelievable. That's so unfair.
0: Wait, what's unfair about 1895?
3: It's unfair that I get this guy from 1895 inside my head, but I don't get to kick around in 1895. It was literally like the Wild West back then, White Earp.
0: Wyatt Earp?
3: Yeah, it was that time. You could roll into town, tell them you're a lawyer, and be a lawyer. And they'll go find a sexy paralegal for you. You could travel to where land was free and start a farm, hire a few cute cowgirls, live your life. You could knock on the door of a bank, ask to be a banker. And they're like, welcome aboard. Here's your smart, but not smarter than you, secretary. Who's hot?
0: You could be a banker now, too.
3: Sure, but like... Not with such little effort or planning. And the secretaries are different.
0: Brett, don't forget that 1895 was a different time in other ways, too. Child mortality was common and life expectancies were low. Racism was law and women didn't have the right to vote.
3: Granted, but at least slavery was over. And women got to vote basically around then.
0: 24 years later.
3: Yeah, around then.
0: I don't mean to push your buttons, Brett, but your privilege is showing. The term Wild West implies both massive opportunity and
3: barbaric
0: behavior. Historically, the entire period took place during Jim Crow.
3: I grew up during a time after racism was over, though. And I could wipe it out after a few generations having non-racist kids with women from various communities and mellowing the whole society out five to ten years earlier than it otherwise would have.
0: So if I told you that by going to sleep for a full night, you would wake up in Francis' body, uh, potentially living the rest of your life from 1895 onwards, that would interest you?
3: Oh my God, yes. Oh man, screw my job. Screw Candace. Screw this apartment, which is in Dave's name anyway. I'll build a raft, live like a cuck fin, see where adventure takes me.
0: Hmm, I wonder if you know what you're getting into swapping spots with Francis. Do you understand where I'm heading with that?
3: Absolutely, I do, host. But this might be my only chance to tame buffalo. Or marry into a tribe of natives. All without finishing my degree, like, which is what my mom wants.
0: Jim Crow. Suffrage. These things are going to matter a lot to you as Francis. Because those are things that mattered to
3: Francis. Because Francis is a Don't try to talk me out of it, host. I may not be an alpha in this timeline, but I'm still an ambitious beta with a logical mind, and I'm not going to change my positions on important topics just because I'm in some other guy's context. Which by the way, is what exactly? Is he a cuck or or something?
0: Knock yourself out, Brett. Nearly literally. (laughs) (laughs) Hey.
3: I don't get it, but pretty tired, and I've got to get my life stuff together before I pass out and warp out here. Thanks so much for your help, host.
0: To be frank, I'm kind of bewildered by this entire call, but I can say sincerely that I hope you get something like what you want, provided no one gets hurt along the way. Not optimistic, but somewhat hopeful.
3: All I want is the option to become a dentist just by borrowing enough money to buy a bag of dentistry tools. After that, nothing but subservient hygienist and easy streets.
0: (sighs) Wow, what a strange situation. (laughs) If the universe is listening, let it be known that I'm sure the listeners wouldn't mind getting an update on either of these budding time travelers. I don't envy Brett, although maybe he will become a banker dentist with little to no effort, (laughs) although somehow I doubt it. Do call back in somehow, Brother Francis. Let us know how you're doing. Our producer Dana has brought me a gift tonight. Dana, I thought we said no gifts. (laughs) Oh, oh my gosh, she's bringing it in. It's rather large. Uh, Maybe a gift basket of some kind? Heavy as well. Dana, what am I supposed to do with this? Listeners, Dana has given me a potted plant of some sort. um, Tall, leafy, hideous. Dana, you know how I feel about plants. I live in the desert for a reason. Dear listeners, as everyone knows, the correct natural gift for your host is a rock or fossil. Dana, sometimes... Sometimes I wonder how you really feel about me. She's impassive, listeners. I suppose this is a quarrel that must be solved later. It's time for another call. Welcome to the host. You're on the air. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. Caller, please stop that right now. That That's no way to
4: talk. I am, though. I've made a huge mistake.
0: Mistakes are an important part of life, Caller. If we don't make mistakes, we never grow. Please, tell me more about it. I
4: can't believe... I can't believe I did that. <sighs>
0: um, well, Uh. how about let's start with your name?
4: It's... Chuck. And what's happened tonight, Chuck. I don't know how to say it.
0: Start wherever you can with
4: whatever's easiest. Well, it's not easy, but... There's this man, Jared, that I work with. He... Go on, you're doing great. I like him. A lot.
0: Ah, and what is it about Jared that draws from you such closely guarded
4: affection? Everything. He's the smartest, most attractive... His face is all lopsided. <laughs> uh, but somehow it makes him more handsome. I've worked with him for seven years, but I've never had the courage to tell him about my feelings.
0: What's stopping
4: you? I'm not what you'd call a risk-taker.
0: The two of you work in...
4: We work at the Big Ear at Ohio State. Oh! You know it? You mean the facility that recorded
0: the wow signal in 1977?
4: That's right. That's right. For
0: our listeners who may not know, the Wow signal was a short broadcast, a beacon from the cosmos. To this day, it's been our best evidence for extraterrestrial life, other than, of course, the existence of this show's many alien callers. <clears throat> the Wow signal inspired me early in my life. It made me realize that listening might be the key to greater companionship in the universe. What's the
4: venerable Big Ear up to these days, caller? <laughs> Same old, same old There's three of us Each works an eight-hour shift Jared starts right after mine It's been just background noise for decades until Until? It's a special night, Post, Well, it was Earlier in my shift, I was listening, like usual Trying not to doze off <laughs> I can relate with you there, Chuck <laughs> Just kidding, listeners I heard something a whine, and then a tonal humming, and then a song. I heard it and felt it. I don't know exactly how to explain it, but it was obviously a big whooping deal. A real signal, finally! We weren't going to have to worry about funding anymore. But even more incredible, the alien signal was elaborate and beautiful. I should have contacted my supervisor immediately, but... I could only think about my feelings for Jared. When I heard that signal, I wasn't afraid anymore. I decided to record him a message, just so I wouldn't lose my nerve. I planned to leave it at my desk for when he started his shift. Well, I did it, recorded a bunch of trash about my feelings, and then started to feel uneasy. I wanted to hear the signal again to restore my confidence, but... But? I had accidentally recorded over the signal. It's gone? It's gone. I've been trying for the past couple of hours to recover it. No luck. Oh. Oh, my.
0: I'm so stupid. I... sorry, Chuck. I'm going to need a minute. Uh, Stay on the line. We're going to run a commercial. Take that, Please tell me you're still there.
4: I'm here. I think you forgot to switch to commercial. What's that? I'm sorry for calling in. I should have known it would just upset you.
0: No, no, caller. Please excuse my outburst. I've thought about your conundrum. If you tell your boss about the signal, he'll probably fire you. You and Dana could go look for jobs together. (laughs) But don't tell the truth about what happened, it will rob humanity of even this one small trace of the second signal, even if it is just one lovesick man's account. I can't make your decision for you, but I recommend you take the time remaining in your shift to think about how you can best benefit
4: humanity. Okay. Thank you, host.
0: And Chuck? Yeah. I would like it if if you would share with us the recording you made for Jared.
4: What? No way! I'm throwing that thing out!
0: Chuck, in light of your actions tonight, I think you owe us that tape.
4: Uh, okay. I'll play it. Hi, Jared. It's Chuck. Uh, I know it might seem weird that I'm leaving you a message, but something amazing has happened, and I've been wanting to tell you something for a long time now, so... <laughs> Here it goes. <sighs> I like you. I mean, I like like you. <laughs> I sound like a kid. I feel giddy. You know. Things are gonna be alright. Everything's gonna work out. I'm not high, I swear. I just feel happy. You wanna get drinks sometime? Not much, is it? What a way to blow the biggest scientific discovery in modern memory. Stupid! Chuck? Yeah.
0: I want you to consider something. <sighs> consider the possibility that it was worth it. And make sure Jared gets that tape. I will. Okay, listeners. I've just realized that we didn't learn and presumably can't know the nature of that second wow signal. Not knowing what kind of alien message it was, we'll all just have to sit tight and see if we get invaded. But it's too late to do anything about that now. I'm afraid that we've run out of time for tonight, except Dana, I'm not I'm not done with you yet. I also broke our rule and got you a present. It's a jumper I knitted myself out of your least favorite color. Not black. In fact, it's small-batch hand-dyed in all of the colors of the rainbow. I hope you hate it, and when you wear it, you think of me. Oh. Well, this is unexpected. Dana is giving me a hug, listeners, and... Is that a tear in her eye? Oh, Dana, you secret sentimentalist! Well, that's it. She's left the studio. <laughs> I wonder if she's coming back. Hmm. Well, good night, listeners. I hope you're enjoying whatever winter holiday fits your religious persuasion. And to you atheists, happy Tuesday. I will always be your host. Good night. Hmm. Uh, how do I turn this thing off? Ugh. Uh. Ah!
3: eight of The
2: Host was written by Heather Rose Walters, Amy McKay, Jamie Ferguson, Amy Carver, and Tony Werner. It was performed by John DeLaPorta, Victoria Reynoso, Hannah Martin, Jonathan Keaton, Charles Ewing, Tony Werner, and Sarah Kenny. Music by Steve Metz, created by Amy Carver. If you'd like to contribute, please send us an email at thehostpodsubmissions@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
5: We'll see you next year with season two of The Host. It's me! Hear that? Oh, yeah. I got an even better bike this time. Maybe you'll come out of your studio and listen to us. Hear that, Rev? You and I both know Evan isn't enough. Hell, you said so yourself. That's your brother? I said it's like Twins, that movie with Danny DeVito and Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You know that movie Twins? It's one of my favorite movies, host. I would have liked to watch it with you sometime. I got you, ice cream, host. I'll wait out here all night until it melts in my hand. All right, it's dribbling a little bit. We got you one scoop of cinnamon and another scoop of coffee the way you like it. It's dripping. I thought deserts were supposed to be cold at night, but then again you would know, you ice queen, which is why I brought you ice cream. Ice cream for the ice queen, I guess. Have you ever driven a motorcycle while holding two cones? It's damn near impossible. I'll tell you another thing, host. My mom checks in on you all the time, and she doesn't even know your name. Hell, I don't even know your name. I just call you the host. Well, you're not the host. To me, you're just a host. Right up there with Casey Kasem and Kennedy from MTV. Remember Kennedy? I do, because I sure as hell don't remember you. It's Melton, host. You hear that? It's running all down my hand like cream. Get my jeans wet. Get my boots wet. All right, I'm just gonna leave these out here, okay? Yep. All right, I'm going. Do it right out here, whenever you're ready. Ice cream cones. I just want you to know that I am gainfully employed at the mall I work at Wetzel's Pretzels, and I'm not going anywhere. Hell, I'm a shift manager. All right, I'm getting out of here. Smell you later, right? You can't just put the cone back in the freezer. The ice cream will probably re-harden. All right. You're lost. I love you, host. I love you. I I hate you. I hate you. I love you. Who am I kidding? I love you. I moved here for you, host. I moved here. Smell you later. The old Alabama kiss-off. The old Texas sayonara. The old... checked my mail today, and, whoa, well, what did I find? Sitting there in the box. Well, perhaps I will enlighten you by reading it to you. What have we here? A letter from Ferguson Boone, LLC. A cease and desist. Well, we've come to this, huh? Seems like you can't even say goodbye. You gotta use your jackals to do it, huh? I put myself out of here, host. I put my heart on the line and on the road every day. And here, what is this? Gross incompetence? Negligence? You accusing me of being negligent? I'll tell you what I think of this letter. I'll tell you what I think. I'll read you this letter. I don't, do you hear that? I'm chewing it. I'm chewing it down. Oh, it tastes good. Oh, do you will I'm gonna swallow wet. I'm gonna ask for seconds. Oh, oh, oh! All right, I didn't eat the letter, okay? But I got most of it down. Hey, host, it's me, your ex-boyfriend, Devin. Yeah. All right, I'm getting out of here. Yep, I'm tooting it and booting it. Yep, I'm going. I'm going. This is the last time. This is the last time you'll hear from me. Hear that? That's my keys. They're jingling. That's my keys. I'm putting it in my bike. I'm starting my bike back up. Three, two, one. See, that's my bike. I'm going. All right, host. Uh, All's well that ends well, I guess. You've moved on. We all get it. Well, I haven't. I'm still here. (laughs) I'm still here. Alright, uh...